What's up, church? Amen. It's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, what a what an incredible day to uh, pick. Happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies out there. And uh, Proverbs 31.30 says this, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who reveres the Lord will be praised. And I'm so thankful for not only a mom that revered the Lord, but I'm so thankful to be married to a woman who uh, trusts the Lord and uh, studies his word daily and uh, is abiding with the Lord. And you can see it in the way that she not only serves her husband, but also how she blesses her children. And one day, uh, I know that our children will rise up and they will call her a blessed woman. And so we're so thankful for you moms uh, that are not only here in person, but joining us online. Uh, we also know that it's a very sensitive time because there's many of us with longs just to have one more conversation with our mom. And uh, we, we pray for you today. We pray that God uh, of all comfort, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, would remind you of his presence and that he would bless you and that he would encourage you today. Uh, friends, today we are going to uh, spend a few moments together and we're going to look at a passage of scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read four short verses with you, and then here's what we're going to do. We're going to see three marks of a disciple, uh, someone that should be celebrated because of who they are and what they are doing for the sake of the kingdom of God. Three quick things that not only are true of people who follow Jesus, but are true of really awesome moms, are really true of awesome dads, who are true of sons and daughters. Uh, really, it is the mark of those who live and enjoy the kingdom. And so uh, Paul is writing uh, to this church in Thessalonica, a church that in Acts chapter 17, he had his hand in planting, uh, but he was quickly chased out of that region and that area. And because of what was happening around uh, that time, uh, he had a difficult time getting back, but he was quick to write a letter and to share what God was doing in that day and time and how he was encouraged with his brothers and sisters there in Thessalonica and in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So twice there, he talks about uh, the Father and the Lord Jesus, how they are one and the same and how they should be recognized as such. And so as we think through that, we are encouraged that the Godhead is present in this letter. And then verse 3, it says this, We ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. And here's what he's basically saying. He goes, hey, there's three things that are present in this church and should be present in our lives. And so here's what he says first. He goes, you ought to see a faith that is growing. Like the question that you have to ask yourself is, is your faith growing? Uh, matter of fact, what in, is interesting there is Paul uses the word there in the Greek, which is called hooperoxano. And that word hooperoxano is only mentioned one time in all of our Bible, and it's right here in this passage. And here's what Paul's saying. He goes, hey, I'm thrilled to greet my brothers and sisters in Thessalonica because the one thing that must be said of you and we celebrate is that your faith is increasing. And here's my question. Real quickly, friends, if, if you were to have a conversation with someone right now in this season of your life, here's my question. What are you talking about? 
You get opportunities in this season to talk, and the question is, is what comes up in conversation? Is it your opinions? Is it the things that you are, are, are weighing in on this time? Or are you talking about how your faith has grown? Have you been talking about how God's provided you richly that you still have a job and that your faith is increasing because of that? Are you talking about how God has provided through various means, whether it be the church, your friends? Is that what you're talking about? The question is, is is your faith increasing? Because here's the, the tragedy of all this. If the church in America goes through months of what we've gone through and our faith has not increased, we ought to close the door of our churches. If our church, our people right now, the faith that we have is not increasing in this season, then the question I have is when is it ever going to increase? Because it ought to increase when times of challenge are at hand. This ought to be the time that we're drawing near to the Lord, that we're abiding in his word, that we're dwelling with him richly, and that we're seeing him move in our lives. This ought to be the time that we see him growing us. Our faith ought to be increasing right now because of what's going on. The second thing is, is that not only should our love or our faith increase, but our love should be increasing. That's what he says there uh, in verse three. He talks about that all of the, the love that we have for one another should be growing. And the question that I'd ask yourself is, what, what does it mean for love to grow? It's interesting, though, that uh, in this passage, as we think about what it looks like for love to grow, the, the idea of it is that it would abound, that it would overflow in you. And so I was kind of curious this week, and I just thought, well, what does it look like for love to abound? And it, I just put that in just my, my, my search, and I thought, okay, what's it look like if love overflows, if it abounds out of us? And every time that you would see it in your scripture, outside of Paul's prayer to the church of Philippians, and also a mention of something similar in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, every time you think about love abounding, it has to do with our Heavenly Father. And every time you see it, you see that love abounds through God's work. Matter of fact, David uh, has a prayer in Psalm 86. It's called the prayer of David. And this is what he says in verse 5 and then also in verse 15. He says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. But you, O Lord, are a God of mercy. You're gracious. You're slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Every time you see that in the scriptures and abounding in love, you see a handful of characteristics. Moses speaks of that in Exodus chapter 34, where God hides him in the cleft of the rock. You would see God's faithfulness. And every time you see God's faithfulness, here's a handful of things that you see. You see that God is slow to anger. The second one is that you see he's compassionate and he's gracious. And the third thing you see is that he is forgiving. Amen? And so when you think about this, when you think about love, the question you got to ask yourself is, if your love is increasing, even in this season, what does that look like? Well, it means that you should be slow to anger. You should think diligently about how you respond, how you respond to your family that you've been quarantined with for the last eight or 10 weeks, right? How you respond to your coworkers on a Zoom call and you're tired of looking at them on the screen. Uh, how you respond to people on the internet that don't think like you. How do you respond? Is your love abounding? Because if your love's increasing the way that Paul says it would to the church of Thessalonica, here's what you ought to know. You ought to be slow to anger, 
you ought to be quick to compassion, and you ought to be quick to forgive others. Really, the essence of all of this is that you and I would see the work of God in our lives by the way that we handle one another. In Romans chapter 14, um, you see a great example of, of really God's work in Romans 14. And, and really, here's what Paul's talking about when it regards to love. There's a topic of what should you eat? And, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people who think, well, uh, in the New Testament, if I'm going to be a servant of God, I ought to eat veggies. And then there's others who would say, well, no, 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 I have the freedom to eat meat. And there was a lot of quarreling and disputing in, in the church of Rome about, hey, what should I eat? What should I not eat? That also happens in Galatians. And what's interesting is Paul answers the question in Romans 14, verses 1 through 6, and he goes, hey, listen, it doesn't matter. If you want to eat veggies, eat veggies to the glory of God. If you want to eat meat, eat meat for the glory of God. At the end of the day, whatever your conscience pricks your heart to do, do that for God's glory and his honor. Amen? So the reason I say that is this. What if somebody wants to wear a mask? Do you say, hey, they're an idiot. They don't need to wear a mask. What if somebody doesn't wear a mask? Do you say, oh, man, they're so foolish. They're putting everybody at risk. Or do you say, you know what? I know what God's impressed upon my heart and I'm gonna give them grace and leniency in what they believe because at the end of the day, I love my brother. Can I tell you probably the most disheartening thing that I've watched just from a distance is that the church just globally is not responding well because you've got two different ends of the spectrum. You got those who say, listen, it's not time for me to come out of my house. And we go, okay, praise to the Lord for that, great. Whatever your conscience leads you to do and believe is fine. There's yet others of us who we've come out of our house and we go, hey, it's time to get back into going. And, and here's the deal. Praise God for that as well. What we need to realize is this. When love abounds in the church, there is flexibility, there is freedom, there is grace, there is compassion, and there is goodness. There is an amount of generosity for others who don't see the world the way you see it in this time. And that ought to be evident in the way that we treat, respond, and love one another. Amen? Amen. And church, listen, this may be an area that we need to seek God most in. Maybe we need to say, Lord, I need your help because I've not responded well. I, I've, I've been quick to be angry. I've been, I've been struggling to have forgiveness, even with people that I love and I'm close to. They've made me mad. Uh, I harbor feelings against them now. Our relationship has changed. And what's crazy is, is that should not be the case. As believers in Christ, we ought to work hard to make sure that not only is our faith growing, but our love is increasing. Why? Because love should abound. And then the third thing that he mentions here, and really in verse four, he just talks about um, that as we think through what it looks like uh, to be all that God wants us to be, that we ought to be steadfast and we ought to endure. He uses this word there, steadfastness, as the word hupomone. 
Uh, Hupomone is found about 30 plus times in the New Testament alone. And and the reality of Hupomone is this Greek word that just means to actively endure. It's patiently endure is the idea. It means that, hey, when you're struggling, you just hold on. You cling to the hope of God. You continue to bear your burden, even though it's not fun. Uh, it's exactly what prayer, uh, Paul's prayer was to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10. He just says this, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love. Now also follow my steadfastness. So be enduring patiently. Uh, it's what Romans chapter five uh, says as Paul writes to the church of Rome in Romans five, two through five, he says this, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the glory of God. Not only of that, he then says this, we rejoice also in our sufferings, in our hardships. Why? Because in our hardships, in our persecution, in things that we don't agree with or don't understand, our faith can grow, our love can increase. And so we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Verse four says, and our endurance produces character and our character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The reason I tell you that is this, is that our difficulties, our hardships, our suffering, our Our times in life where we get a little derailed are an opportunity for our faith to grow, our love to increase. And more than that, it is an opportunity for us to lean in and trust God. And here's what I would say to you. If you're not leaning in and trusting God, then it means that the Holy Spirit may not live in your life. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't live in your life, then we have a greater need, right, for God than we ever have before because we need him to change our hearts. Friends, what an incredible opportunity. I pray that it changes the entire course of American history. I also pray that it changes the entire trajectory of the church globally. And I pray, if nothing else, it'll change the trajectory of our church. I pray more than anything that God would use this opportunity to help refine the body of Christ here. That if if we're going to be about the business of being a part of God's work, that we would do his work. That our faith would indeed increase. That our love would grow exponentially, even when we don't agree on certain topics that we would realize that the topics that we must agree on, we do. And here's what it is. Jesus, holy and perfect, came to the world for sinners like me who have opinions, make mistakes, can be a knucklehead, and yet he sought in his good riches and his redemptive purposes to lavish his love on me, a sinner. While I fall short short of the glory of God, he was willing to save me and draw me in to be a part of his family. And now by his spirit, he wants to lead me on a journey to grow me in knowledge of him. So that as I grow in knowledge, my faith abounds. It increases. My love for others increases, even though I don't see the things the way you see them. And more than that, that in all my suffering, in all my hardships, in all of them, I would trust the work of God. Corey Ten Boom says this, when I'm on a train, I oftentimes feel scared, right? Uh, Especially when you're going through a tunnel. And then she says this, as you get through the tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. What do you do? You sit still and you trust the engineer. Friends, that's where we're at. We're at a place where, hey, 
God is using this for his purposes. I don't know what they all are, but what I do know is this, is this isn't the time for us to hop off the wagon and to blame everybody that stays on board. Or it's also not the time to take others who don't agree with us and throw them off board and us remain on the train. This is the time to trust the engineer, the one who has wired us, who's given us his grace, who wants our knowledge to increase, our faith to abound, and for us to exercise huvomone, patient endurance, until God calls us home. And so friends, I pray that you would huvomone, be steadfast, press on, because listen, it may be a while before we return to any semblance of normal, but here's the deal. Let me ask you this question. Do you really want to be normal again? I mean, seriously, is that what you want? Because if you want normal again, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want to work countless hours for somebody to pat me on the back and say, oh, that's a really good message, and then it not change our lives. I don't want normal. I don't want families that are always on the road pursuing their kids' dreams when their dreams end up leading them away from the dreams that God had for them in the first place. I don't want normal. I don't want Americans who cannot give to the things of God because they've stretched themselves thin in chasing their own desires, building a kingdom on earth for themselves while being delusional that somehow they still love God. I don't want normal. I pray that God uses this dark tunnel to help us trust that there is an engineer and there is one who is using this crazy moment in our life to produce in us something that is rich, that is not normal, and that is different than everything else that's happening in the church globally. I pray that the work starts here in a little community called Edgewood, Texas, in a little community called Wills Point, Texas. I pray that the church would rise up, and I pray your greatest prayer in all this. God, would you help my knowledge to increase? Would you grow my faith? Would you help my love to abound? And would you use this to change my life, to help me trust you? Because I don't want to be what I was before all this. And here's my fear, is that some of us look worse than when all this started. And that would be a tragedy. And so may God do a work in our hearts and our lives. Friends, if I ticked you off this morning, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you six foot away. I love you. I love you. But listen, church, can we just get some perspective on what the Lord really desires for us? What a tragedy it would be to go through all of this and our faith to not increase, our love to not abound, and us to not endure suffering. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray, God, that you would stir us up towards love and good deeds. I pray, Lord, that our heart's affection would increase for you. And Lord, I pray that you would provoke us, Lord, that you would stir us up by your word. Lord, we know that, that believers in Christ who are persecuted, who have had struggles, Lord, we know that even though they have had difficulties, Lord, we know that the mark of the church is that you see the character that's produced through the hardships. And Father, we know that as we develop in character, Lord, that it gives us hope, hope to trust you, hope to believe in you, even when we can't see your handiwork, even when we can't see the conductor, Lord, we trust that you are guiding our lives just like a conductor is guiding a train. Father, we love you. We submit ourselves to you. We thank you so much for the 
incredible grace of a sun that came up, of warm weather to be able to gather outside. And Lord, it's, it makes my weekend. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the rich blessing of being able to see and enjoy the church. And I pray, God, that if nothing else, that you would prepare our church to be the church, even if we never met in a building again. Father, if all we did was get together once a month and encourage one another and tell each other to keep pressing on and running the race, I pray we would understand that's what the church looks like. God, don't take us back to any semblance of normal. God, we don't want normal. We want to be the church. Lord, help us. Help me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.